Welcome to the Transform Your Mind Radio Hour and Podcast, a show about transformation, mindset transformation. This is Life Coach Marnie Young, and in my book, Out of the Snares, A Story of Hope and Encouragement, I share my journey of being born in poverty in Guyana to have an abundance in America. And I did it by changing my mindset. Let's go do it. Each week, I bring you guests or one-on-one coaching sessions to help you change your mindset and transform your life. Welcome back to the Transform Your Mind, the Transform Your Life radio, podcast, and television show. I'm your host, Life Coach Renee Young. And sitting in the guest chair today is Dr. Fred Moss, author, speaker, and transformation coach. And Dr. Fred and I are going to be talking today on the topic, the creative eighth mindset. Welcome, Dr. Fred. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yes, I am going to enjoy our conversation because it has to do with mindset. And I love mindset, you know, obviously that's what the show is called. So, um, uh, you know, for you listening, you know, we're going to be, you know, diving a little deeper into mindset today. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about the creative eight, eight mindset. So make sure you stay until the end. All right. So let me give you a brief bio on Dr. Fred. Dr. Fred Moss, MD, is the foremost expert on delivering your true voice into the world so that he can heal because your voice matters. Your voice can heal. Dr. Fred has been actively practicing in the mental health field internationally for over 40 years. And as a psychiatrist has been an unwavering stand for the transformation of mindset. He's a firm believer that conversation, communication, creativity, and human connection are ultimately at the source of all healing, I mean, of all healing of all conditions in all fields. Along with being a highly successful restorative transformational coach, his signature technology, True Voice Podcasting, is for people who are ready to take their lives back by speaking their authentic messages into the world. TVP is designed to guide people from all walks of life who are ready to rediscover the confidence and courage necessary to bring their full and real humanity back into all areas of their lives. So that is amazing. All right. So, um, you know, as a way of introduction, Dr. Fred, can you share with us your journey to becoming a psychiatrist and a transformation coach? Sure. So, you know, I thank you for having me and thank you for doing such a nice job with the intro. It reminds me who I am sometimes just to hear my own. I have several intros out there. And so, you know, I listen to them like, oh, yeah, who is this guy? And then I'm, like, hey, I'm glad you like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I was born to be a communicator. I was born to bring healing and joy to the world. And I think probably many of us were, but really my family was in a fair amount of disarray. They tell me a fair amount of chaos. I had two brothers, 10 and 14 years older than me. I, I still have two brothers, 10 and 14 years older than me. And, and, uh, 
you know, the hope was that I would be able to uh, really come in and make a difference, come in and bring joy and pleasure to uh, to a family in need. And so my whole full-time job has been since that first second of arrival to bring communication, pleasure, and joy uh, to others uh, who are who are in need of being reminded about their true self, about what really it is, what's the point, why are we here? Um, I became enchanted and, you know, fully interested and committed to becoming a communicator very early on, probably before kindergarten. And, uh, really? you know, my brothers taught me how to be very precocious. I knew how to read, I knew how to write, I knew how to, you know, um, do math before I even entered kindergarten. And so I was an out I was, you know, sort of on the outside. Uh, most of my kindergarten friends didn't know how to do any of that. No, they were just kind of throwing blocks and and picking <laughs> their nose and stuff. And and I wanted to read Henry Huggins. But the truth is, oh, I was I also throwing blocks and and kicking and, and picking my nose. I just wanted to read too. Mm -hmm. uh, communication wasn't going to be taught in elementary school. I realized that soon after. You know, they told me to be quiet. And they told me to sit right. over there and uh, not voice my real self and. I learned how to sort of be quiet, although no teacher that ever had me in elementary school forgets having Fred in their class, for sure. Uh, I went forward and, and really thought, okay, I'm gonna learn how to communicate, but I'll probably be in junior high. So I waited and waited until junior high when the big kids you know, would teach me how to communicate. But when I got to junior high, that was also a problem. It was, you know, I was disappointed and disillusioned. So high school must be the place where you learn how to communicate. And, and, so I hung in there and went to high school and no, uh, it didn't really happen there either, did it? And no, no. I was kind of being told to be quiet and, and no one really cared what I had to say inside the classroom. Now, outside the classroom, I was able to communicate effectively. And I did most of my learning, most of my education certainly came outside of school. Mm. But I decided that I would go to university and my favorite university because it had bred into me and I love their football helmets and it was close, was University of Michigan. So I went to University of Michigan, um, really hoping that, of course, there I would finally become a communicator. <laughs> but again, in Ann Ar I loved Ann Arbor, great place to communicate, but not at the University of Michigan. That was not communication. I was really just being asked to watch a professor do what they do and, yeah. uh, and then like regurgitate it back. Yeah. Ultimately, I dropped out of school and I did what anyone in my age group might have done. I got on a Greyhound bus and went around the country and tried to figure out what my life was about. And mm. I found out a little bit about what my life was, but I didn't have a job. So then I decided to come back to college and tried one more time, dropped out again. Now, mm. this is where my career really started because I came home, told my mom that I'm never going back to university again. And uh, she said, well, that's okay, Fred. Well, you have to get a job now, you know, and you know, moms will do that. So she got me an application and I started working with uh, adolescent boys at a state hospital, state mental health facility. Really? And there I was finally getting paid to communicate. And that's all I was doing. I was communicating yeah. with these wonderful human beings uh, who were now living in a, in, a, in a state hospital. And we were healing each other through communication. It was really fun and really a great job. I, uh, you know, afternoon shift, we got to take field trips and play softball and all the cool stuff that I did with these kids. The thing I didn't like was the way psychiatry was treating these kids. You know, we would call the psychiatrist and say, Jimmy's up too late or Timmy and Tommy got in a fight and he would come down and after three seconds talking to the kid and maybe six seconds talking to us, he'd take out his weapon, look a little bit like this. Wow. And he would write something in the chart. 
And uh, then we'd have to go get Timmy and hold him down while we injected him full of very high-powered sedatives to put him out of his misery for the next 12 or 24 hours. And if Timmy didn't wow. say another word for 24 hours, we would call that a success. Now, wow. that's still happening in all the state hospitals around this country and mostly around the world too. So don't think that it's like we've grown past that because we haven't, it's still going on. I made it my business to become a psychiatrist at that point. I was going to come as a psychiatrist and bring communication back because that I knew the communication healed. So took in a big inhale and 13 years later, there I was. I graduated in the <laughs> university at Northwestern University as a as a psychiatrist and did my residency in Cincinnati and <clears throat> really started being a psychiatrist. But in the meantime, Prozac had been introduced to the world. And Prozac was a medication that really you might recall was really it was really just like a medicine for, you know, change the whole paradigm of psychiatry, biological psychiatry, chemical imbalance. And now the idea was that a psychiatrist, like if you ask most people, what's the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist? They all have the same answer, which is a psychiatrist prescribes medicine. But that's actually the last thing I wanted to do as a psychiatrist. But now it was my typecast. It was what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. For the next 30 something years, I wrote over 100,000 medication prescriptions. I saw over 40,000 patients who called me their doctor. And uh, it was very difficult because every time I wrote a prescription, my heart would wrench just a little or my soul would sacrifice. And sometimes not just a little, sometimes large. In 2006, I finally decided that I could no longer do that. It was 15 years after I started. Mm -hmm. And I started taking people off their diagnosis and taking them off their medications and seeing how they did. Now, I know that sounds kind of radical. It's kind of interesting that we're more concerned about taking people off of medicine than giving it to them. It's just amazing, us humans, that we're so interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's the society, right? It's like, oh, you did what? You're radical. I'm radical. I took away stuff that was making them worse. And so I began to really see that they got better. And it was really there that I started becoming a healer. I call that my true voice moment when I really started becoming a healer. I really, it's no longer just a doctor, but a healer. And I began communicating with all my patients a little bit more, a little bit more until I really knew that I was back to being little Freddie, who was pretty, pretty sure that communication and connection was the point here on earth. And uh, over the last 15 years, since 2006, I've really been just uh, edging myself forward to being a stand for communication and connection. And my practice has evolved over time. I've done work all over the world, um, a lot of telepsychiatry and a lot of utilization review. And I've been in every single corner of American psychiatry, uh, mm -hmm. usually as a leader and really um, and attempting sometimes without much success to inject communication as the core source of all healing. Eventually, I set up Welcome to Humanity. Welcome to Humanity is my brand name. That's where you'll find me at the welcometohumanity.net. Okay. Um, that's where my main website is. And, and it's self-explanatory. It just says all of the experiences that we're having as humans are to be embraced, including the ones that are miserable and painful. Like just get that we're all, none of us know what we're doing at all, period. Even the ones who act like they do don't. And, uh, you know, really start getting that we're all in this together. We don't know what we're doing and it, we're, it's better off when we're with each other. And when we are with each other and really resonate with each other, that's where healing really starts. 
And uh, I've, you know, now I'm actually a restorative transformational coach and I'm a podcast teacher and I'm an expert speaker and a podcast guest. I have my own <laughs> podcast and I am, yeah. you know, finally in line with who I really came here to be again after right. 50 years of uh, trying right. out some other stuff. Well, that's amazing that one, that you felt that you knew that you wanted to communicate as a you know, in kindergarten, <laughs> I guess, because you have older brothers right. and uh, maybe they didn't treat you like a baby that, you know, right. you were able to communicate. But I want to circle back to a couple of things. So why did your mom get you or how did your mom get you a job in the mental health field? Um, did you do some work with that in college? That was the first question. Well, you know, it was easy enough to get a job in the mental health field. My mom, my mom was already a social worker. Okay. And so she got me a, an, and she didn't quite get me the job. She got me an application for Fairlawn Center, which was a state mental health facility, a civil service job. Okay. And there was really two jobs available, by the way. There was a job at the civil service uh, at the uh, state hospital, Fairlawn Center. Mm -hmm. And there was another job that was available at the unemployment office. And the, the reason I took the um, okay. mental health job was because it was opening up earlier. It had, it had okay, nothing, so nothing to do. I would have, I could easily be an unemployment right, right. Uh, okay. expert. Yeah. Well, that that's amazing because that's usually how, if you're here with a purpose, that's how God directs you. Okay. But the second question that I have here is, um, um, uh, you know, I've been in the space a lot recently, and I don't remember how, but um, of talking therapy. So. When you decided to take your, your patients off of medications and you said, communicate, are you saying that, um, let's say that someone is on Prozac because, you know, they, they, they want to, the Prozac settles them down of some sort. So are you saying that um, if people really heard them and listened to them, that's why they don't need the medications? Where are you coming from with that? Yeah, that's an important question. So the first thing I want to say to all the listeners is if you have found something that works and it has to do with medication and your diagnosis, by all means, please don't switch. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you got something that's really working. I'm not telling you to switch. I'm, I'm really not. I mean, if you got something that's working anywhere in this world, you should keep doing it. Okay. So all let's right. make that really clear. Okay. This is for people who, who really know that they're not living their ultimate optimal life. These are for people who, you know, if you like, I originally originally started taking people off medicine who had been on medicine for a long time and who thought that they were steady, but weren't really performing at a super high level. Today, I want to introduce you guys to a product I just started using called Magic Mind. What an awesome name, Magic Mind. The name suggests what this product does. Magic Mind gives you the benefits of mental clarity, energy, productivity, with 33% less caffeine than coffee. I always envied my husband. He can drink coffee for dinner and sleep like a baby. Not me. I have a huge caffeine sensitivity. If I drink a cup of coffee at 8 a.m., at 2 a.m., I am still wide awake. So I was a bit skeptical to try Magic Mind, but it was wonderful. Since I started drinking Magic Mind, I get an energy boost throughout the day. My memory is sharp. I can recall facts quicker when doing my interviews. And I can sleep at 8 p.m. 
Here are some of the ingredients in Magic Mind that makes this product magic. L-thionine. The L-thionine in matcha helps increase focus and attention. Bacopa maneri, a natural motropic that helps with procrastination, much like a natural Adderall. Ashwagandha and rhodiola rosea work together to decrease stress and low-grade anxiety by lowering your cortisol levels. This is what worked for me. So whether you need an energy boost, more focus, or you just want to cut down on your caffeine consumption because of negative side effects like jitters or crashes, I absolutely recommend you go out and pick up a case of Magic Mind. It's a game changer. These next 10 days, you can get 40% off your prescription at www.magicmind.co backslash mind. Use discount code MIND20 to get your 40% off. That website again is www.magicmind.co backslash MIND. When I took them off their Prozac or the medications like that, um, what would happen is they would find themselves again uh, coming in touch with their own feelings, coming in touch with their own emotions in ways that have been mm. muted over the years. Mm. Okay. And so that, you know, when, when they got in touch with themselves, we could learn that they didn't even have a diagnosis to first place. And in many cases, the medicines and the treatment were really perpetuating the actual symptoms they were marketed to treat. Okay. So, you know, that when you start really looking at that and we pull people off of their diagnosis, because now you can't just pull people off their medicine. It's, it's medicine's not the problem. Okay. It's the idea that we all think there's something wrong with us. Okay. And then we get confirmation that there's something wrong with us. And then right. we need so-called medication. Mm -hmm. The truth is, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're making it through the world like any of us, and you're just as confused and, you know, at times or fearful at other times or anxious or depressed or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, you make as many mistakes or you hurt people or something, you know, that's called being human. Right. So when we can wash that out and really get people to see that mental, you know, people are like, oh, no, I have a diagnosis. It's interesting. In psychiatry, first of all, a psychiatrist can't get paid unless he gives you a diagnosis. <laughs> right. Yeah. If he if he writes no diagnosis, he won't get paid. Right. 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 So there's a major incentive to diagnose every single person who comes into their office. Number mm -hmm. one. Number two, it's also the only field in all of medicine. And I, I've tried to look for others where if you come into the office thinking you're there might be something wrong with you and the doctor says that there's nothing wrong with you then you get totally furious. <laughs> not, yeah. Can you imagine if you had, if you went to the heart doctor and he says you're okay and then you get mad at him? You get mad, right, right, right. Um, you know, this is a field where when we get a diagnosis, it helps us relinquish responsibility for the parts of our life that we don't like about ourselves. And there are plenty of parts of life that we don't like about ourselves. Right. But if we can blame that on ADHD or social phobia or post-traumatic stress disorder or major depression and bipolar disorder, autistic spectrum disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, we got, wow. if we're going to name those right. and call that our reason for being a jerk, right? I hate it. 
you know, it, it, Myrna, if you want to take responsibility for the mistakes I make for the rest of my life, I'll give that to you. And then I'm not responsible anymore. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it takes courage to get. Yes, you're miserable. I do not mean to diminish the experiences mm -hmm. you're having in life. This isn't like get over it. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, in fact, embrace it as part of being you and this human condition. And don't think of it as a deficiency or a sickness. But people like to feel good. And these conditions don't make you feel good. I don't know about ADHD, but I mean, all the other ones, you don't feel good. So you want some kind of beta blocker or something to block the symptoms of you not feeling good. It's not what you say these medications do. But no. I wanted to get to the point where you're saying that, that they can talk it out. <laughs> well, inside of communication, what we really are talking, this isn't about therapy either. Therapy also, okay. the thing about therapy is that therapy also presumes that there's something wrong with the patient. Okay. okay. What, what this is really about is connection. So it isn't really about just talking it out. It's about okay. connecting with another person at whatever level that takes, resonating, being with another person for with your experience. I, I know that you felt it because everyone I've ever talked to felt it. This idea when you really connect with someone, you go ba-boom, you know, where you're really like, like on tune is a remarkably healing moment in life. But can they connect that way to their psychiatrists? Well, or you're just telling them to talk to anybody, to connect with anybody. <laughs> the thing about psychiatry, again, is that the thing that, I, that you certainly can. I mean, I'm a psychiatrist. You can connect with me that way. Okay. But the, the, the deal with psychiatry is that there's a power gradient. There's this idea that the psychiatrist is okay and you're not. Right. That's actually not true. We're both not okay. Or we're <laughs> both okay. But when we look across the table at each other and see our actual humanity, that's where healing starts. When there is a gradient, psychiatry mm -hmm. up here, patient down there, this perpetuates an ongoing experience of there being something wrong with the patient. Mm -hmm. If we're going to undo that and still just have two humans talking together about connection, that I am convinced is where true healing begins. Mm. Okay. So well, that's actually good because if you're, you know, yeah, you walk into the room thinking that there is, there's something wrong with you and you need help. Um, and when my experience is when someone takes that step, it's because um, they really feel that something is wrong with them. Their life is not going right. It's going in the wrong direction because most people resist it. You know how many times I've told people to go, you know, to psychiatry and they don't really want to. They keep always keep saying there's nothing wrong with me. I don't need it. So when someone actually makes a step to go in there is because they're actually feeling that maybe they need help. So um, if, if, if the doctor is now saying, hey, there's really nothing wrong with you, that's regular emotions, um, that's regular life. And, um, uh, you know, we're going to connect and take you off of meds. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's good background information. But what we really want to get to today is about uh, mindset. You're talking, we're going to be talking about the creative eight healing through creativity and self-expression and the mm -hmm. creative mindset. So can you 
you know, segue into that and how that, you know, how that works? Sure. So the negative experiences, feeling miserable, feeling pain, feeling, you know, um, uh, uh, I don't know, feeling uncomfortable with life. Mm hmm. One of the things that we get, none of us really seek out being uncomfortable. We, you know, it's not that it's, it's not like we're looking to be uncomfortable. However, we are so addicted to this idea of comfort being normal. Like we think being comfortable is normal. The truth is being uncomfortable is totally normal. This is a really crazy world out there. And not only that, humanity is an uncomfortable experience to try to work this together, work it out. The, what I noticed in in writing the book, The Creative Eight, was that that um, when we're creating, when we're here to create, our mindset shifts. So we go, uh, you know, so art, music, dancing, singing, drama, cooking, writing, gardening. These are all things that are when we're creating. They really work to decrease that negative symptomology. They really are the negative experiences. While we're doing any of those things, the negative experiences dissolve and disappear. So with the creativity, when, now this is different than if you're listening to music. I want you to be making music. It's different than if you're at an art museum or looking at a beautiful piece of art. I want you to actually be making art. It's different if you're watching Dance with, Dancing with the Stars or if you're actually dancing. That's what it, right? I want you to do to actually be creating because in those spaces you find another form of self-expression and normally what all these negative experiences are are difficulty in expressing your own discomfort with life or whatever is bothering you or concerning you. So the creative eight mindset reminds us that we are here to be creators and we are creative every single second just to get through the next second. It takes a whole lot of creativity. So I invite people to really do that creative eight uh, exercise, which is finding three of those things, art, music, dancing, singing, drama, cooking, writing and gardening and doing doing them each day, even for just one minute and really noticing how positive experiences can evolve simply by becoming the creator. Now, ultimately, there was a couple more I added on photography and cleaning. And then there's the trump card, if you will. And the trump card is to uh, help anybody do anything. And when we're helping other people do things, it's also an amazing experience of having our own concern about ourselves dissolve and disappear as we become service oriented. And that's just another way to use the creative aid to our benefit. All right. So that, that is, that is true. Um, you know, let me, let me, um, uh, respond to the last one, the trump card. Yeah, I had, um, uh, you know, some kids in, in, uh, you know, psychiatry, um, you know, adolescents, you know, every day all act out at that, you know, in that age. Um, and the psychiatrist suggested that I, I set her up, um, you know, to go and help others. And, um, and he felt that that will make her behave better. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was um, that was one thing. So that's great. Now the other thing that you mentioned is that yes, when you're being when you're being creative, I guess you're tapping into you're tapping into source, and it does bring it does bring joy. But you're saying that um, you know, yeah, not only does it bring joy, but it also 
you know, kind of puts a stopgap on your negative emotions, right? So that is, that is excellent, you know? So um, you're saying that they have to do three of those or just one of them can work? Well, the exercise is, you know, for people who haven't done any of it in a long time, art, music, mm -hmm. dancing, singing, drama, cooking, writing, gardening, then yeah, I just ask people to just do them for a minute a day, just pick two or three of them and do it for a minute a day for a few days so that they can get reactivated, you know, really see, oh yeah, it's easy to draw. Or, oh, even if I want to just, right. even, you know, even that is music, like you can just play music, um, right. you know, or you can sing in the shower or you can dance in, in your room with the door closed or, you know, like you can do whatever you need to do. But once you start really cracking open the other ways to self-express, uh, a whole new world can open up because we account so much on words and listening and interpretations. And that's a very, ultimately, a very inefficient way to get our points across. Even though we're all pretty good at talking and listening, we're not mm -hmm. as good as we need to be to really get our points across. Great. Okay. <laughs>
It's just oh. a way to express negative emotions. So, you know, some of the finest artists in the world, and for, in fact, you could make a case that all the finest artists in the world have a fair amount of misery in just speaking their voice and listening to others. That's why they have art as an outlet, even if their outlet is towards a negative experience. Like, you know, you can express, ne there's nothing wrong with negative experiences. They're just negative experiences. It's that they don't have to go away. Okay. Um, they're just, a, when, once expressed, there is some relief that you have at least expressed your concern or your anger or your sadness or your fear, okay, or the negative experience. That's number one. Number two, if you're already on medicine, it's actually really hard to do the creative eight because medicine tends to really stifle and smother uh, creativity. The psychopharmacological medications are do not expand creativity in any way, shape, or form. Wow. So the the uh, you know the medications often perpetuate the conditions they're marketed to treat, and it isn't a matter of you do that and you get to come off medicine. It's a matter of that's a good way to manage your life. And if you want to come off medicine, the best way to go to, for that is going to be to start connecting with people. And really, in the case of my coaching, we walk you through to a place where you get to relearn that there was nothing wrong with you in the first place. Right. We, we, you know, we often blame a log. It's like blaming a log for burning in a fire. Uh, you know, you know, it's like if you put a log in a fire, it's going to burn. If you put a human on this earth, we're going to have misery. Okay. And it's just the way it is. It's nothing wrong with being miserable. It's not like there's something wrong with you for okay. being afraid for your future, for instance. Okay. Anyone who's walking the planet right now who isn't afraid for their future is missed, has missed out on something mm -hmm. on the one hand. On okay. the other hand, so what? You still have to live right now, even if you're afraid for your future. Can you can you bottle that up and, and keep your fear for the future and still be an effective human being today, right now? You know, still help others, still be creative, still be loving, still be accepting and compassionate and friendly and kind and all those things. Can you do that even in the face of a world that's looks looking like it's spiraling out of control here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um so that's good. So yeah, I mean, I think the foundation of what you're you're teaching is that there's nothing wrong with you. There, you know, you're just life. If you, and even if um, you are, you know, you are creative, and you're right. A lot of, you know, the, you know, one of the things that that, that really bothered or you know, um, you know, was surprising to a lot of people is when, um, you know, Robin, Robin, what's his name? Um, uh, you know, the comedian committed suicide. Robin Williams, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Robin Williams committed suicide because he is there being a creative person telling jokes and he was very good and yet he was still depressed. So that is basically what you're saying that, you know, being creative, um, you've got an expression of it, but it doesn't mean that you you don't have the negative emotion. So, so that's, that, that, that's yeah, uh, something like that. That's right. I, you know, and, and, you know, humor is often associated good. The very best humorists or comics are pretty flipping miserable underneath it all. And they're just using really? that same energy to, to bring that forth. It's not like they're happy folks. You know, it's part of humor is really taking and making fun or having fun with the craziness of what it means to be a human being after all. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. George well, Carlin or Richard Pryor. You, you know, you look at these guys. Yeah, right, right, right. They, these You're are right. not happy characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they leave a pretty dismal trail. But for, you know, someone like me that doesn't understand that, you're thinking that if you're funny, then you're happy. <laughs> Obviously, that's not the case, right? So not everybody always. was talking about it, including me, about how is it possible that, you know, he can be funny and comedic and, you know, happy-go-lucky and, and underneath it. But what you're saying is, um, yeah, yeah. You can you can go down a, a, a you know I mean they they didn't commit suicide which is probably what the the difference is but you're right a lot of them are taking drugs and they are and they're very miserable All yeah. right yeah yeah so how can um, using our voice help with mental illness it's one right. of the questions I have here right yeah so I don't know anything else that's going to help with mental illness except using our voice actually and the truth is. We think that taking medicine is going to help and really in the end, once you're diagnosed with whatever condition you have and you're started on a medication, um, the medication is frequently uh, designed or at least uh, achieves the goal of perpetuating the symptoms it's marketed to treat. So you're on that medicine for good. Very few people come off of medicine. You know, you, when you first start medicine, you think if it's not going to work, we'll just stop it. Well, it's not really true. If it's not going to work, we're going to change it or we're going to increase right. it or we're That's going to true. add another medicine to it. Yeah. yeah. Doctors That's are not true. even trained to take you off medicine. When I started taking people off medicine, people are like, you're doing what? <laughs> but I'm sure your patients were happy with that. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. some of them were scared, you know, because they knew that people get scared. They're like, I don't want to come off. I don't know. You know, because here's the other thing. These medicines are built so that when you do come off of them, at least for a short period of time, you get an actual spike of the symptoms that were there in the right. beginning. Right. And it has you think that you have returned. But in fact, it's not a you that's returned. It's a function of coming off of these medicines. They're built that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so yeah so basically what you're saying is um you didn't actually um explain that a little bit more so how does your voice help you to come off of um to help you with mental illness so uh, you have a podcast that it's called true voice podcasting so um how does you know the voice help you with mental illness let's use the scenario where you know, um, you listed a whole range of things during the other day, but you know, one of the things that Prozac does is is keep you calm, right? Is that what Prozac no, does? Not, not what I'm saying it does. That's what Prozac <laughs> says it does. That's not what I'm saying it does. All right, okay. <laughs> not at all. Look, okay. Here's the thing. Let's use one more analogy to see if we can get on the same page on this because I think it's real important. Okay. If I went to you and I had, you'd say you were a mosquito bite doctor and I had a really bad mosquito bite on my, on my elbow and uh, I could every day, you know, for three weeks, I've been trying to get rid of it. It gets bigger. It's painful. It's like, you know, wakes me up at night, itching, itching. And I finally decide I'm going to go to a mosquito bite specialist. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, I find you in the yellow pages and I go into your office and you're like, yeah, I've seen something like this before and we can cure it. I'm like, Oh, good. That's why I came to you. You know, it's only going to hurt for a minute. You tell me. I said, okay, let's do it. We're going to cut off your arm at the shoulder. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's drastic. (laughs) 
<laughs> you see, if we stay my, and I say, okay, and then you cut off my arm, then the next time I come there, when we look for that mosquito bite on that elbow, it won't be there. No, because you don't Neither have an elbow. elbow. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Neither will my arm. Right. And if all I'm looking at is, do I have a mosquito bite? The answer is no, and cutting off your arm at the shoulder was a cure for that mosquito bite. Mm. If we take this into the psychiatric realm, it's not true that it keeps you calm. It's true that it takes away your emotions. Uh, okay. It does do that. It totally, okay. it wipes you out, it blunts you out, and it's not just Prozac, by the way. These psychiatric medicines do a lot more than just fix the mosquito bite. Mm -hmm. So by taking away your capacity to have proper feelings, it feels like it's curing you. But it's mm -hmm. not really curing you, it's taking away your capacity to have proper feelings, including that one. Mm -hmm. So well, that it was a looks great analogy like because now I get it. <laughs> wow. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's what we're really talking about here. Now, again, to our listeners, if you have been going far and wide and have found a combination of a psychiatrist or a doctor or a therapist and a medicine that works and you're functioning at the best you could ever hope for and you can't imagine this and you disagree with me and all that. It's good for you. I please stay on your regimen. If you got it going on, by all means, what I have to say isn't for you. It's for the millions, actually hundreds of millions of people who know that they don't have it going on that this message is for. Okay. <laughs> people are, know that they're not living the life that they uh, that they want or that they deserve. They are living a restricted, constricted life. And they, many, many people hate their medications. Many people hate their medications and don't even agree with their diagnosis. And if you don't agree with your diagnosis and you hate your medications and your life isn't going good, well, maybe I have something for you then. Yeah. But if you, you have, you want to you know, do something different, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You got to want to, if you want to stay the same, I'm not kidding. I love you. It's great. Great work. It's not like you're wrong and I'm right. No, no, no. If you found something, you're good with it, please stay on and keep hammering away at it. It's great. It's only for the people who are pretty sure that there's been a, you know, that they're muted or they're muffled or they're stifled. And that's where true voice comes in. When you're speaking with another person, your mental health improves considerably. Now, I don't use the phrase mental illness anymore. I don't have it that there's such thing actually inherently as mental illness. There's definitely such thing as mental discomfort, mental misery, mental okay. pain, for sure. But illness suggests that you're sick. And it's, I don't think that you're sick. You're only experiencing an unpleasant part of life. Mm -hmm. Now, when we start looking at that, then in true voice, actually voicing your real self, it's amazing how healing can happen immediately. And why I chose podcasting to be the avenue for that is because you can say your true voice right here in a podcast. It's one of the last remaining spaces on the planet where you can actually say your true voice. You can't do it on social media, obviously. 
you can't do it um you know in 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 most cases you can't go to a like a concert and do it you can't have an auditorium full of people to speak your voice anymore so your true voice is being taken away from you and when we or you're giving it up true voice is the way when you resonate with another person and truly honestly authentically connect with another person it's amazing what that does instantly for your mental health even if you haven't connected with anyone in a long time when you do connect it's amazing what healing takes place way better than any medication i've ever written and like i said i've written over a hundred thousand medications <laughs> all right well explain it a little bit so what happens when they come on your podcast and talk about their true voice what are they talking about what are what are the conversations yeah the true voice podcasting is not a pod it is a podcast but it's not what you're you're speaking towards the true voice podcast is actually a course it's actually a course oh. that I teach so that okay. people who want to express their true voice will learn that they can do that best through podcasting. We spend the first half of the course uh, of a 13 week course really honing in people to getting in touch and rediscovering their true voice authenticity and in that authenticity really exploring, you know, like in your case, you love mindset somewhere along the line mindset became part of your true voice. When you start doing that, you can wake up every single day like, who am I going to talk to today about mindset? And there's something that drives you forward inside of, you know, your commitment to learning more and to teaching more about mindset. Right. So other people, they're going to come up with whatever they come up with. Maybe some of them will come up with really big ones like, I don't know, climate change or racism or sex trafficking. And maybe others will come up with smaller ones, with seemingly smaller ones, like petunias in Arkansas or something. It's fine, whatever your podcast theme is. We then walk you through your authenticity into a world of a maximum podcast creation and production. I have a couple of teammates who co-lead with me, and we take people from zero to podcaster in three months, and then people from podcaster to broadcaster in another three months where we get them monetized and we get them sponsored and we get that, you know, if that's what they want to do for a living, we can help them get all of that done, creating really high powered, you know, high powered world-class productions. I love it. You know, I did not think that's where it was going at all, but um, I love it because, so what you're saying is if there's, you're passionate about something and you have a connection to it, then you want to come on a podcast and talk about it and, and that's what everybody is doing because the podcasting, the podcasting world is just growing by leaps and bounds. I know there's only two, over 2 million podcasts now, but there must be some kind of statistic that talks about how many new ones come on every day <laughs> because right. people, you know, are passionate about something and they want to go talk about it. So you're teaching them how to become a podcaster by um by connecting to something that they love and it's their true voice i love it exactly did i miss anything or that's basically no, no that's really well said i think the thing <laughs> here is you know some people think that if they interview the next door neighbor who used to be the ex-coach of the football team and then the mayor from a neighboring city and then like a uh you know uh, a tv star or something that that they now have a podcast and 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 they, you know and so they think that someday somewhere somehow someone will find them right. what we really teach is to start from the ground up you know so that you design your podcast to meet some certain criteria and you know be driven on mission and pillars 
and have a purpose as well as well as an intro and an outro and the proper bumpers and the proper mm -hmm. advertisements, music and and you know show uh, show notes, etc. So that we can really help someone express their truest voice and create a podcast that's not only fun and and powerful but sustainable and scalable. Yes, I love it. So yes, that's basically it. Because um, right, so when they come into your course. Do they already know what they want or do you um, have a way of helping them discover that? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there are some people who came into the course who don't even know um, what a no. podcast is. I mean, right. they didn't okay. even listen to a podcast. And right. uh, so there's other people who don't even know um, how to like how to do a Facebook Live or how to do a Zoom call. You know, they don't know. Right. So right, we take okay. people from wherever they are into being podcasters. There's just other people who come into the course and they're they're pretty sure that they have their theme, you know, they're super interested in racism or super interested in climate change or super interested yeah. in, you know, some particular topic. And they think that's going to be their podcast. Mm -hmm. We really help them get to what is the problem that they're solving? What is there, you know, what are the some of the questions and what are the solution? What's the actual solution? And we help people take a theme into their podcast, coming up with a title and again, the proper show art and the proper music so that it's all branded properly. That's that's nice. Yeah, yeah I like that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but let's tie it in together. Um, so you feel that if someone was to do this and they have a mental health issue, then it stops the noise. It doesn't stop it all totally but it's, it, 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 it quiets the noise. <laughs> Interesting. So it's sort of like a different population. Um, this isn't necessarily for those people who have diagnoses or anything like that. Okay. But there's no difference from the people who have diagnoses to the people who don't. These okay. are just people. They're just people. Everyone okay. is just a person. Okay. So it isn't a matter of using my podcasting course to decrease the noise or anything like that at all. Now, the truth is when we start in real life, it does decrease the noise because we become more aligned with what what we're saying, you know, and who we're yeah. saying it to. As yeah. you already know, when you get to be your true self, all the noise, the self-talk, the hatred and all that goes away when you're really yeah. being your true self. Right. So podcasting is a great exercise to really go out and explore who is this true self of yours and how can you make an impact and really direct this, you know, distribute it to people who are ready to hear or learn. It's not necessarily for otherwise people who are on medications or anything like that. It's more for anyone um, who's interested in getting their true voice out there because true voice ultimately is what ends all wars. Right. Yeah. And talking from personal experience, I love what I do and it does make me happy. Um, it makes me happy because I feel that I am, you know, I'm contributing to the world in some way. Exactly. And um, yeah, it does make me happy. So I, you know, I can, you know, I can say that that is absolutely the truth. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It is the truth. Right. And it's great. Yeah. And it's a real opportunity to just, you know, now is the time to speak our true voice. We have major problems in the world. Um, the virus or or, or, or uh, climate change or racism or sex trafficking or, or the even war, war, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really big deal. And right. none of them are bigger than the fact that we're not speaking our true voice. The biggest right. threat in the world right now is not any of those. It's that we have given up our true voice. Right. And without right. our true voice, we're never going to get around the, any of those other issues. 
Those other issues are going to eat us up if we don't speak our own true voice. It's, they just are. This is doomsday. It's over. If we can't speak up about this, it's over. Yeah. And so now is the time to really find that true voice. And that's really what's here inside of the course. Now, I recently wrote another book. The book I wrote, uh, I know it's going to shock you, the title. Let mm -hmm. me see. It's called uh, Find Your True Voice. Um, and uh, <laughs> A real shocker. <laughs> a shocker. And, and that, it's, a, it's a great book. I can offer it to your listeners, by the way. If they want to go to, if they want to learn a little bit more about what I'm talking about, go take a deeper dive and really learn how this method works. If you go to findyourtruevoicebook.com, uh, and then you go in there and then I, I will send you a copy of the book for free, actually, for being a listener of the show. And if you want, after reading it, you want to talk to me a little bit more about how I can be of some assistance, either with you or your family or to speak to a club or to be on your podcast or to you know help you be create a podcast or whatever you want. Uh, it's not all about podcasting. It's all about finding a way to get that true voice out in the world. And I just don't know a better, more effective way to do it in a global scale than putting together a podcast or being a guest on someone else's podcast. Yeah, that's amazing. So I got that. Findyourtruevoicebook.com. All right. Mm -hmm. So you had given us another uh, website earlier. Um, it's welcometohumanity.com, right? Dot so net, those are your net. two. That one is Those net. are your two websites. Okay. All right. And, no, and then there's a third one. The third one is the upcoming summit. The uh, I have a summit that's starting on Saturday. It's going for six weeks. We'll have th at least three separate Saturdays, probably four. Um, and the summit is called the We the People Summit. So it's We the People Summit dot online. We the People Summit dot online. And uh, that's where you can sign up for that. And even if it's after the date, feel free to sign up. There's more coming. And uh, what we're doing is we have assembled over 24 and I'm looking, probably it'll be 100 by the time the whole thing is over. It really major inspirational influencers who are telling us how they became influencers. Okay. What I'm learning from each and every one of them is that the way they became influencers is first by getting in touch with their own true voice. And so we're helping people get that they themselves, this audience, the listeners are already influencers. All they have to do is get in touch with their true voice and bring it forward to even one person. Yeah. And then you're an influencer. You don't need to have a million followers. You don't need to have a million dollars. You don't need to be Oprah Winfrey or, you know, the Jason P. Kardashians. You don't. You don't. You can be anyone. Yeah. Right. Mm. yeah. And, uh, and so all the donations from that are going to the war-torn, devastated people of, of uh, Ukraine war. Ukraine. Yeah. That is just, yeah, that's, that is awesome. All right. So, um, um, what is your social media handle? Oh, I I'm, I can be found on on Facebook or Instagram or uh, uh, Twitter or and it's Dr. Fred Moss. Dr. Dr. Okay, Fred so it's Moss. just your name, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. But All right. really, the, the circle the circle community is where you're really going to find me from now on, and that's uh, true dash voice dot circle dot so. That's like a super cool Facebook. It's a, it's a really cool way to get out of Facebook and still get all the qualities of Facebook. Okay. So that was true dash what? True dash voice. Voice. Okay. Dot circle dot so. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. 
Well, Dr. Moss, this is, was an incredible interview. Um, you. Uh, you know, I learned a few things about the how the Creative Eight can help you. Um, uh, you know, as far as your emotion, you know, channeling them, um, and um, mm -hmm. then of course we 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 ended up by talking about true true voice podcasting, and you know, I'm in that space as well, where um, this is my true voice that's coming out, and and it um, I love it. You know, it it helps me for sure um, with my emotions and my happiness and, and my mental health and all those things. So I understand totally um, what you're doing. And it's great that you are helping people to put something like that together because, you know, I'm a life coach and there was a time when everybody wanted to be a life coach, but now everybody wants to be a podcaster. So right. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in two of the spaces that is growing by leaps and bounds. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's great. It's great. Great that you're on the front edge of both those things. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's a great thing that if you can help um, somebody to put that together, so that's awesome. So I definitely appreciate our conversation. Um, uh, well, um, thanks for tuning in to the Transform Your Mind, to Transform Your Life. Um, uh, a transcript of my conversation with Dr. Fred would be on the show page, which is blog.myhelps.us. And if you missed any of the links, then they would also be on the show page as well with links to all the um, uh, the different um, ways that you can connect with Dr. Moss. So um, yeah, so definitely go out there and find your true voice. And if you learned anything about medications, one of the things that I know Dr. Fred said that if you're on it and it's medication and it's doing well for you, stay on it. But when you heard that cutting off your arm analogy, you should revisit that because yeah, I mean, if it's going to make you into a zombie, then maybe it's not the way to go. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. Any circle back on that? <clears throat> That's right. Yeah, no, the same thing. It's a, you know, we, it looks like it helps because you no longer have an itchy mosquito bite, but you also don't have an arm anymore. And if you right. pay attention, you won't even notice that you don't have an arm. It's other people who will notice that you've flattened yeah. out. Yeah. Very yeah. similar to, you know, if I give you, if you come to me for a cut, a bleeding cut, and I give you a Band-Aid, and it covers the cut, but in the Band-Aid, there's a razor blade embedded. Uh, eventually, your cut is going to ooze out the side of that Band-Aid, and you're going to think that it's your cut and not the treatment. The truth is, the treatment itself causes frequently a worsening of the original condition. Wow. Yes, 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 yes. So listen, you have expanded our mind on that. And they say that a mind expanded can never be returned. So take the information that you hear on, on um, today and um, do something with it. Yeah. All right, Dr. Moss. Well, listen, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. And, um, uh, you know, if you're listening to this on iTunes, um, we'd appreciate if you rate and review and um, definitely subscribe to the show. All right, so thanks again for tuning in and until next time, namaste.